Welcome to Inventum Podcast, where our aim is to have genuine discussion of what it means to be Christians in a postmodern world. I'm Jordan Phillips, one of the co-hosts here for this podcast, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Tanner Jones. We also have another team member who is not here on this episode, um, but he will be joining us in later recordings that we do, but he is primarily going to be doing um, the blog portion of our media group. Do we call it a media group? It's It's not a company, media group. Yeah, it's really just media, right? Yeah. And then there's a couple different outsources that we can that we can yes. do and handle and do and go from there. And in which our other team member is Jake Dingler. Um, and like we said, he'll be doing the blog portion. And so with Inventum, we're going to be having two outsources for content. So we'll have a blog portion, which will be mostly done by Jake. But me and you will also maybe mm-hmm. occasionally write a blog. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not much... I'm an okay writer when it comes to, like, when it comes to, like, write, like, for instance, in college, like, I can write a paper in college and you get a decent grade on it, but I feel like writing in a way that's engaging to an audience, like, that is where yeah. I kind of fall in the cracks. Yeah, it's definitely a special talent. I don't have it either, but... Jake does. Jake's gifted. He is. He also is gifted at making coffee. He can make very good coffee. Mm. He's just all good. around, all around. He good does, he he does good things. Yeah. Um, but a big thing um, that we, the reason we started Inventum, which Inventum, if you don't know, is the Latin word for discovery or invention or creation. There's kind of several meanings there. The reason why we come up with this podcast and the blog, well, originally it was just going to be a blog. We were at Steve Lawson's conference. Shout out to Steve. Mm great theologian is called the expositors conference or the conference for expository teaching. I think it's a technical name. Yeah. For preaching. Um, preaching. Yeah. Um, as Lawson say, there's a difference between yeah. preaching and teaching. There's so a whole day over that. There's a whole, yeah, a whole <laughs> day over that. Um, but what we noticed is that we, through the, the thing, through the conference, we had, I think you would agree, really good discussions from, what we're learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we sat in our Airbnb real late, um, just talking about each of our similar but slightly different passions for for teaching, for diving into the word, mm-hmm. um, and how to use these tools differently. Because all three of us have a little bit of a different platform. Yeah, and then taking the tools that we learned from this conference and applying that to our ministries effectively and so which led to just um our realization that we all enjoy this conversation this deep genuine conversation um that that goes way past surface level and into just i'm just and we're just sharing opening our hearts and just and just talking um, yeah about topics that maybe get overlooked or um then in general public you don't you don't necessarily feel like there's an opportunity to talk about these, uh, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, but we kind of, which we're already pretty good friends, so we already had this, that trust bridge built to yeah. be able to, we, we, it wasn't awkward to open up and talk about some personal yeah. stuff. Which, and, and which I made the comment, I was like, we should just have a microphone in front of each of us and do a podcast. Um, and then we kind of realized, 
it was it's difficult doing a podcast i mean just because you have to get together you have to record and so originally we were just going to do blogs because we could write that from anywhere but again i realized and i think tanner also realized that i'm just not i'm not a blogger i'm not really i couldn't find a really deep like i tried right i sat down and wrote one and i just it just wasn't good it just wasn't <laughs> anything that i wanted to share with anybody and jake though i think has a really a really good knack for writing um and i think he'll do really good at that portion but he's also he'll also jump into some episodes so like there may be an episode where jake will be in here uh we plan to have guests we have some people mm -hmm. lined up that we're gonna reach out to see if they'd be interested oh, um yeah. you know maybe go for like the white well get like macarthur on here Talk about a crazy day. That might be a six, seven hour long podcast. Yeah, I don't, that would probably series. never happen. If John MacArthur, for some reason, ever listens to this episode, we would love to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but on a more real note, we're all three youth ministers, and that was a very common ground that we had. So we were like, what if we started this type of media group company and just really kind of just spoke about our experience. You know, like I, I finished my degree back in um, the first part of May of this month when we're, that we're recording in right now. And I finished it with history, um, but we're not all like, I, I just finished my degree and I started that seven years ago. Um, and so like, you know, we're not going to have PhDs, like not all of us have degrees, not all of us, you know, so we're very much, going to be limited in some ways in terms of like traditional education route when it comes to ministry but we do have some experience being youth ministers i've been doing youth ministry in some format since 2016 and even further back i was doing children's church ministry when i was in high school for like two years so mm -hmm. i could say like 2014 i've been working with students up until now mm -hmm. um, where i'm i'm now a part-time or bivocational youth minister at a church um, in Oklahoma and Tanner just recently got to go full-time if he mm. wants to talk about that yeah um, and kind of similar to you I had I had some couple different ministry opportunities while I was in high school um, me and one of my really good buddies we were the same we we're the same grade we held each other accountable. We kind of headed that up to where we were. It was almost like a tag team type thing, and we were leading uh, that ministry my junior and senior year, which was a prob it was around 2016 as well. Um, and then post high school, I was um, serving in that same church. I was um, for about a year and a half was just volunteer. I they gave me the Sunday school class for the youth, and I was teaching the youth on Sundays and. Our bivocational youth pastor at the time was teaching the youth on Wednesdays, and we would just kind of alternate. And then, not this past January, but the last one is when they hired me on part-time. Mm -hmm. And I worked there for about a year. And then, um, at the beginning of, or really towards the end of last year is when... Um, that kind of, that, that position kind of came to kind of came to a close and then there was a pretty there were probably four months of you know 
me going back and forth praying and kind of wondering. I don't really know what the Lord has in store, but um, this opportunity came up. Right, and at first I was like, "There's no way," so I just blew it off. And I did that for about almost a year. Mm-hmm. Of no, there's like there's like four or five different people that are completely unrelated that kept kind of off, yeah. give it, like handing me this offer. Like, hey, have you thought about? Have you thought about applying? Have you thought about it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just kept shouldering off. And then after about a year, they asked me again. I was like, I don't even know if this position is still available. I kind of left it left it alone about a year. So they're like, call them. So I just called the church office, and they're like, hey, send us a, email us a resume. Here's an email. So uh, at that moment, I was like, well, I need to make a resume. <laughs> so, you got to get those done. And so, yeah, I'm, I made a resume. I sent it to them, and... Uh, they called me. They it was pretty good. while. Wow, it was kind of funny, uh, but they find, they called me back and uh, we had a, a really long phone call. I was, I remember I was at I was at a coffee shop, um, and I talked to them, and then they invited me for an interview, and they, they invited me for another one, and the whole time I I didn't think that it, you know this is something that I would ever actually um, get. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll keep going to interview, but I kept just s- really just seeking the Lord in that, and it was, and like, and I think that's what's really neat is you see the Lord's hand in all of this, mm-hmm. um, how He's prepared me mentally for He. This is this ball's been been rolling, and it's but this effect has been going on for about a year, and so um, I started there in the middle of April, so I've been there for about five weeks now. Yeah. And um, fresh out of the gate, fresh out of the gate, and I tell you what, if you thought that you were struggling with names before, yeah. I can't imagine moving to a new, a new town, new church. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of people they that just, that all knew my name because I'm just one person, and they've they've exactly. had a lot of time to do that, so they all have it down, but. I'm really good at faces. Like I, I said, I can remember a face, but I so will like, never remember yeah, your name. I see people around town. I'm like, you go to my church because I've seen your face there. Yes. But <laughs> so I don't, then, I don't but know. That's, a, that's the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know your name. I, you might have told me, but I mean, you know how many hands I shake in one day. That's true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm work, doing my work. Um, this coming Sunday, we actually have a, our first kind of like a hangout. Um, social event at the church and I'm nice. very excited about the opportunity to just shake actually introduce myself because yeah, I don't have time on Sundays because I have obligations right mm-hmm. I can't just go mingle because yeah. I, have, I feel that I have Sunday school and then I'm giving announcements and then like they preach and then as soon as the service ends people are like beelining out the yes. door you know they could probably got a roast in the oven or something and so we're um, trying to beat the Methodists too. Yeah, you know you gotta go. You gotta go reserve those tables at yeah at the restaurant, and so. But it's been really good. I've enjoyed um, that just meeting new kids, which is which has been it's been a challenge. Mm-hmm. But I am thankful that it is full time, because before I was always prepping on my lessons at like midnight, eleven o'clock. Whenever yeah, my day I feel ended, that. Whenever my day ended is when I started my. Your my, other job, my, yeah, my youth prep, and so now I get to do that during the day. So it's a lot of work, but I also have the time to do it. Um, and they haven't had a youth pastor for a long time before mm-hmm. me, and so 
this past month has been crazy. I mean, just bringing everything back up to speed. I'm also, I don't know where these kids are at. Yeah. If they have relationships with the Lord, how deep that goes, mm-hmm. what they know, what they don't know. Um, and so I'm doing my best to, to like start from the very basic foundational mm-hmm. truths without making it sound so elementary that they just get offended. Like, yeah. like I'm, you know, like I'm not, I'm not. They're like, we, we can understand a little bit more than what you're giving us. Yeah. Like I don't want them to think that like I'm calling them dumb or anything, but not that, not in that regard, but like, I, I, I don't want to assume it's, I think that it's difficult to gauge an right. audience when you're like teaching, yeah, or in, especially when you're preaching. Which Lawson talked about this at yeah. the conference is he said that you have to preach to the the scholar in the room, mm-hmm. the the like just your average person, and then like maybe even like that blue collared like somebody who's not really involved in church that much like they may not understand the lingo or like the you know some different terminology and like lawson always would say that you've got to preach so that each of these like groups that Mm -hmm. are inside your church are going to get something from your lesson so yeah and so not which obviously you have to preach and explain the word as it's written Mm -hmm. um it doesn't need altered but at the same time um, you have to figure out where they are yeah. and what what clicks in their heads. And then you just have to bridge that gap, which is hard for me with there being strangers. And I think the safest option is there's there's too much at risk for me to assume that you get it. But, yeah. And so exactly. I don't want I don't want Even... assu- I don't want to assume you understand the truth and be wrong. And, yeah. and and then nobody have actually explained that to you. And so Even I took Ma- a little bit Lawson of time. talked about that yeah. too. He said uh, it was a men, a pastor's conference. And he said at the very beginning that it would be foolish for him to think that everybody in this room is saved. And he preached the gospel at the conference, you know? And so like, that's the same thing for us. Like we would be foolish to think all of our kids understand it or get it. Right. And so I've, it's been really neat, especially having the, all these different platforms of um, Wednesday night, you know, your typical mm-hmm. uh, youth service. Then you have Sunday school, then Sunday night services. And I did my best for about three solid weeks because there's always new kids. And I wanted mm-hmm. to, there was a lot of reiteration there. And of, this is my, this is my vision. This is the direction that I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why that I'm wanting to do these things. These are the purposes for these three different um, services we have, like Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, like explaining those three different purposes, why we have those, what they're structured for, and my vision for you guys, mm-hmm. so that way y'all know where I'm heading. And so I was just kind of like a explaining to them um, kind of my heart, where I'm at, and so, and then kind of the overall direction that I would mm-hmm. like to go. Yeah. And so that was kind of a lot of it. And now I'm starting to, um, and this past week I even talked about our, our like our actual youth group. Mm-hmm. I talked about our church, our, like our mission statement as a church. Um, yeah. I quizzed the youth to see if they even knew what that was. And They're, they did. They, they didn't know. know, which I mean, a lot of these kids are, yeah. I, I, I asked them because I was like, there might be one, but yeah. I was also pretty confident that none of them even paid attention to that. Yeah. 
And I think that that's a big indicator of a disconnect between the youth group and the church, right? And so I think that like a lot of times what happens is, at least I used to believe this, there was a point when I was applying before the church I work at now is applying at another church and I actually got to like a second round interview with them. But something that I said in, in my resume, like my little cover letter is I had made the comment that I want to set students up to like be a part of the church and like after they leave the youth group. So it sounded like that I was, that it sounded like youth kids aren't the church now is essentially what it sounded like I was saying. And that the uh, like I think you said earlier like youth kids aren't they're the church now right and so the interview when I was interviewing that the um, I had to interview with like a secretary first and then I got to interview with like the youth pastor like a, a set thing really great interview process I loved it but the lady said that um, something that they believe is that the youth kids are not the future of the church but they are the church now. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, why have I, why have I never connected that, you know? And so like, that's a, that's a big, a big thing right now for me, especially being like bivocational, like it's really hard to pinpoint, um, how to connect, how to make your youth kids feel connected to the church now. And so, and two, it's difficult as, as bivocational to, really hone in on the state of your youth kids because you're not able to spend like your full like output onto that. Like I, you know, I work at a school at full time at a school, um, as a paraprofessional. And so like that job is, is somewhat laid back that I get to do like the, like, I guess the house cleaning part of like youth ministry of like making graphics or like, you know, coming up with my lessons and different things, but like, I don't get to spend most of my time listen or like thinking about and trying to pinpoint or have meetings with like youth kids to, to fill out where they're at currently. And I think that that is a huge difference between being bivocational and full time because like being bivocational again, like you are, your time's divided and you have to really, really manage your time well. And full-time youth ministers have to do that. I think there's kind of a blessing and a curse of being full-time if you have all this time now. And, like, if you're not careful, like, you can use it, like, in in the wrong format or, like, maybe not dedicate enough time to this one thing and stuff. But, I mean, like, and I can ask you because you're full-time, what do you think you see, like, with your youth kids now? Like, how are they reacting to, like, teaching? Like, are they do you feel like they care about teaching or do you feel like they're kind of just like, oh, I don't really care. Like whatever it's, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, so I'm still, well, first of all, what I am doing, I'm still learning who they are. Yeah. Um, kind of, I don't, I'm still building a routine, kind of a consensus mm-hmm. of like what's really going on. But what I have noticed um, that I think was initially, it's more so than what I remember when I was in youth, mm-hmm. um, that they don't, our, our, my first couple of weeks I made our students just raise their hands on 
I asked them the question, who was raised in church? Who's been raised mm-hmm. up there? And pretty much the whole room raised their hands. So they've all, they know their routine. They, they've, mm-hmm. they've been in it. And, um, but also nobody brings their own Bibles. And so, which is almost like they know that the church has Bibles and mm-hmm. they could, they just show up and then I'll hand them, I have a big yeah. old stack of Bibles and it's kind of almost like a, like a, just a, one of those things that I'm not going to not give them a Bible mm-hmm. and they know that. So yeah. they just don't bring their Bible. Just, yeah. And so I can, I mean, I can preach all day long, bring your Bible yeah. to church, but they know that I have them. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like the culture, like the mindset is just kind of like, I don't, there's really nothing you can do about it almost. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to not give you a Bible. Yeah. But I, you know, it's yeah, like, what it's, do you, what do you do to change that mindset? Um, it, or I to th- like create a feeling of importance of yeah, scripture to a like, student. To raise this, um, and they, they participate. Um, I've I remember my very first Sunday. I was teaching Sunday school, and I tried to make Sunday school a little more conversative. Like I'm gonna ask mm-hmm. a question, we're just gonna sit and we're gonna talk. Um, just because I'm not gonna teach, you know, 20, 30 minutes of Sunday school, mm-hmm. but then you you go straight into Sunday service and listen to the pastor preach yeah. for forty five minutes. Nobody's gonna. Nobody, that's so long. The, yeah, that's like an hour and a half of just straight focus and they yeah. can't do that i can't do that and I was so gonna say, i feel that like i really love like just i love listening to teaching but like when we're at that conference there's a couple times i like mentally checked out yeah. because i was just like i've got to process like everything that's being said and that's some that's coming from me who i i that's all i do i love listening to like conferences i love listening to like podcasts and everything but like there's times where i like yeah. Gotta like kind of withdraw yeah. myself, and even like the conversation stuff, where like I initially asked them questions, and they didn't answer. It was silent. Not that my question mm-hmm. was hard. They just they were like, all kind of like they overthink the room. They don't want to be the first to speak. Yeah. And so I just stopped there, and I, it was I just basically told them I was like, this is gonna be conversated. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna sit here until you answer my question. Yeah. And. And it was really awkward, and I, and I said that, and they just kind of laughed, and then they called my bluff. So I was like, "All right," yeah. and we're not we're not covering any more material. And I was like, and "So I was like, uh-huh. my one it wasn't even a hard question. It was like, what is the Bible?" Mm. I was like, "I'm just trying to get ice break. Let's try, yeah, just let's, like, yeah. Let's I'll take literally anything. Yeah." And so I was like, "Come on!" Yeah. And they just stared at me. So we stared at each other. It was like three minutes of just just pure silence Tension. <laughs> and then like well, that's the type of stuff that doesn't fade me so I'm just staring at them and eventually they start getting red they start squirming you yeah, know and all of a sudden like, okay. they start sights are sweating and then yeah. they they break and then they're like alright and then they answer you know and they but from then on it's been pretty simple to where like um, I try to incorporate a ton of questions and as a circle mm-hmm. Sunday school is like I'm not I'm just I mean I'm orchestrating conversation to keep us on point yeah. But for the most part, I want them to do a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. I want them to come to the conclusion or at least say the conclusion themselves. And so it's been a neat atmosphere to kind of see that. And the community is definitely growing. Mm. But I can tell a lot of like, which I think people do that initially with all new people. But, you know, they keep they keep me yeah. at arm's distance because I'm the new guy. I'm a stranger. And so 
you know, you have to be patient with that, and I have to earn that, earn that trust all the way around. And so, yeah. I've had to take it slow, as much as I don't want to take it slow. I'm like, let's. Yeah. I want to hit the ground running, but you just can't. Yeah. You know, and so, you you have to be patient. And I think like, I I can remember I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, and he said something that I thought was really interesting. I had, I, we were talking about the current state of Gen Z, which is, if I'm not mistaken, Gen Z is, do you know the age groups for Gen Z? Uh, I don't. Let me, I think here, I got it right here. You, you looking it up? So, te- what's funny, technically, I'm Gen Z and you're Gen Z. Because it says 1997 to 2012, so right now Gen Z is like 10 to like 25 year old. So that's you. That's a youth group. Like your yeah. youth group is Gen Z, um, and then millennials are 1981 to 1996, and they're 26 year olds to 41. But I, if I'm not mistaken, people claim that like Gen Z. Or, like, people born in 1997, so, like, me, I was born in 97. What year were you born? 98. 98. If I'm not mistaken, it's, like, 97, 98 can be tagged into millennials. But I can't... They said we're, like, the... There's a name for it, but we're basically right in the gap yeah. uh, between these two and that you can kind of identify as either one. But technically speaking, we are Gen Z. Um, but for the sake of this discussion we're when we say gen z we're referring to like our youth kids yeah uh, because that's the age group and so but i was talking to my friend and he i was making an argument that gen z is experiencing like a religious lethargy meaning that like lethargy is like sleepiness like there's not it's not a great emphasis on spirituality in gen z and i was making this argument and my friend made the comment he said well he said, I actually think the opposite. He said, I think you have more Gen Z people looking for something spiritual, even outside of Christianity. And so I really just started thinking about it. I was like, man, like, honestly, that's, that is the case. Like we have, yeah. like, for instance, like the new age movement, man, like that, that is like plaguing, like not only non-believers but the church as well like there are several churches who have bought into like this new age like almost like a mixture of like hinduism buddhism and christianity into one um there's even a name it's called new age christianity and like we're seeing more and more people what we call deconstructing your faith like we see that more and more and like for gen z like we see like they're it's a very interesting generation there's a, a company that's called feed youth ministry i give them just a little plug because i use their stuff all the time i actually used their statistics when i first presented to the church i work at now my vision for the youth ministry but listen to this okay this is from this is from their thing if you want to go you can go to um their website just type in feed youth ministry and it'll bring it up and you can go to their research section and this is this is back in 2020 um they said that three in four Gen Zers in the United States indicates that they have friends with different backgrounds, races, and beliefs. And so, like, what we're having is, like, a very diverse group of people who are very, like, 
accepting of like different backgrounds and beliefs and not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but that in the sense of like, it's almost a melting pot. Like you just kind of like pick and choose like what you want, what you like from certain aspects of different beliefs yeah. and kind of form it into your own. And then even furthermore, like we have the next statistic that they talked about is that it's as many as one in three us Gen Z or say that they are LGBT. So if you had, they, they say if you have three Gen Zers, they say at least one of them have identified as like LGBT. And, and like, that's just like, that wasn't very, I mean, that was somewhat common when we were younger, like when we were in youth ministry, but it's nowhere as near as what it is today. Oh yeah, it's growing exponentially. Like, it, it's pretty like, it's a phenomenon almost. Like, it, and like this is, they have a quote from a student. Um, it says that, People question their gender because it's popular to question it. And then they go on, another student said, it's almost worshipped if you are transgender or struggling with it, it's cool. And, like, these are quotes from, like, high schoolers. You know, like, these are things that high schoolers are, like, talking about today. And, and like, even furthermore, they, like, go on and they talk about, they say that they claim that this group is the least religious and I think there's a key difference between religious and spirituality. I don't right. know if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that they're they're missing the they they least religious as far as like biblical foundational truths. They are missing the point. Yeah, but they are no, they're not they don't have the mindset of. Um, that I always heard like our, our parents yeah. say of like you know there's three things you don't talk about like politics religion and money uh-huh. you know and those uh, but like they don't have that mindset like they're very open you yes. know like I feel like I can go up and talk to any of our youth kids about what they believe mm-hmm. and we'll at least talk whether they genuinely believe we're talking about it or not yeah they're open for a conversation they're like yeah. let's talk about it not and in so, big group settings no no a bit much big group settings they're, they won't talk yeah but if you get them like like just kind of like a one-on-one conversation like oh, yeah. they're, they'll they'll talk about anything with you usually oh, yeah. and and i think that that like you said like the curiosity um which has been my curiosity is good but i think that it has to be followed up with um foundational truths yeah you know and so and that's my prayer for the youth a lot is like i pray that if there are people in the room Mm-hmm. Um, that don't know the Lord, that aren't saved. I pray that I pray that the, they just be curious. Yeah. I pray that they. I pray that like you, Lord, you open their mind, make them curious, give mm-hmm. them questions. I pray that you give them the boldness to ask. Yeah. And then then I follow it up with like, Lord, I pray that you give the believers in the room give me your mm-hmm. wisdom, Lord, and your um and speak through us and to answer these questions and to show them. Your your word. Let, let me show them the truth, and I just and I don't know. I think that especially through COVID and all that stuff, you've mm-hmm. seen a yeah, I've seen a lot of mindset shift and a lot of personality shift through all of this. Yes, that. yeah. COVID definitely it caused people for one like when especially when like you kind of had the shutdowns and like you had to self quarantine and like. I mean, there's one point where I was, because I work at a school, it's two weeks didn't we didn't go to school. And so, and then you couldn't go anywhere because everywhere was shut down. 
And so you're just kind of stuck at your house, which requires a lot of, I feel like, introspective, like, looking. Like, you really, like, take a moment to look at yourself. And I think that a lot of people came out of COVID with a different mindset of the world. And, like, and I think, I will say, there are two sects in in Gen Z. You have those that are very spiritual and then you have those who are not spiritual at all. And the reason why is there's a statistic, another one that they have on that Feed Youth Ministries, they said that Gen Z is twice as likely to identify as an atheist compared to the United States. So, like, you have, like, U.S. adults, you're, like, twice as likely to find a Gen Z that is atheist rather than, like, any other group. I, yeah, but I that's always, I mean... I think personally that's always really almost funny to me mm-hmm. when you find students who claim to be atheists. They don't. And I can I can this sit, is, I can ask yeah. you four or five questions and you're gonna implode on yourself. Yeah. And, you know. And they, I, and they I don't think even that, know. that so statistics are all based off of answers that people have given. Right. Somebody might go, "I'm an atheist," but they have no clue what that means. Right. And, or they're an atheist because maybe their parents are atheists. Exactly. Or maybe somebody they follow on YouTube, or somebody yeah. they somebody they've seen, they've heard, they've heard somebody claim it, so they claim it. Yeah. But it's like at the root of it, they don't know. No. They haven't and even they haven't even researched anything. They no. don't know. And and that's the thing too is like, and I'm not saying that like. I'm not saying that atheism. Is like, I don't I don't want to use the word like, an oxymoron. But, like, I just think that, like, with atheism, I, it's the belief in nothing. Like, you, you, you claim, I believe in believing in nothing, right? Or, like, I don't believe that there's a God. And if you go, like, and, and this is where it gets interesting, if you, if you ask a student and they go, well, I, I, don't believe, I don't believe there may be a God or I may not believe that it's the Christian God. There may be something. And then you go, well, that's not atheism. That's ag- that's a, that's being agnostic. And so like agnostic is that if there is a God, okay, if there's not, okay. Like you're kind of indifferent to it. Atheism is the belief that there is no God, period. Right? And like, I think that like what you're seeing, I think what happens, and, and this is just me personally, what from what I think I see happening it starts in like a kind of a, a, a transition, like it, it has stages. Like you have kids who are very involved in church and then they move and then they're most like the most immediate thing once they fall out of church, the net for that is usually atheism. And then they eventually leave atheism because they, they realize that there's no joy or peace there truly. And then they move into like this like new age spirituality, like I'm going to try to find God on my own time. In fact, there's a quote here that says like some students have said that I've opted to find God elsewhere, meaning that they are searching, they are looking, they are questioning, they are curious, but they have determined that the Christian faith is not the answer. And like that is pretty scary. Yeah. Because you're looking at this generation getting older every year. And eventually they move up into where we're at, where they're the youth ministers. And they may be teaching that there's other way. I've encountered, I've firsthand encountered this before. 
and and I won't say like where I was at or like where I encountered this, but essentially what happened is that it was a place where I was teaching students along with other people. And from conversation, I find out that this person is a universalist and they believe that there are many ways to God. And I just, I was blown away because we're where we were at, like it was Christian, you know, and like this person is here teaching students, Mm. like has them like teaching them and working with them. And I just was so shocked because I was, I, I even asked them point blank. I was like, why, why are you here? If you believe that. And their response was, well, I just think that like, this is the best route to God. And I was like, so what is like, I asked them, I said, what does your life look like outside of this? And this person was like, well, they're like, I consider myself a spiritual guru. Like whatever journey you're on, I'm just going to aid you in that journey. If you're a Muslim, like I'm going to help you be a better Muslim. If you're a Hindu, I'm going to help you be a better Hindu. If you are a Christian, I'm going to help you be a better Christian. And they go on and they say, because, and listen to this, this is, and I'll say this guy's name, Richard Rohr. Have you ever heard of him? Uh-uh. Let me just, I'm about to, you're about to be shooketh. Okay. <laughs> shooketh. Richard Rohr wrote a book called The Universal Christ. Have you ever heard of that book? I think so. Okay, it's pretty popular right now. Richard Rohr essentially claims that Jesus is the blueprint to everything. Okay? And so Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest. So he's part of the Catholic faith. Um, And so this book is the book that this person was reading, this universalist person I was talking to, was reading... And essentially in the book, it, it claims that Christ is not a person, but rather a being called the cosmic Christ that inhabits every other God that we know. And so essentially what he claims is that if you believe in Allah and you follow Allah, you are following Jesus because Jesus is Allah. If you are praying to the 33 million Hindu gods, like you're you're worshiping Jesus because Jesus is the Hindu gods. Or if, if you're, if you're following the teachings of Buddha, you know, like you and seeking enlightenment, like Jesus is enlightenment. He is these things. And so like this person I was talking to was teaching students this, like he believed this and, and firmly believed that like, that the Bible was not truthful. Yeah. You know, like you, you remove the foundation of the Bible and then when you remove that, you can, it's a wide open field. You can go any direction you want at that point. And like, that's my worry is that we're seeing more and more students fall into that mindset. So I've actually, I, I talked about this a little bit this morning. I had a, I meet 6 a.m. With, mm-hmm. with a group of men and over, nice. we have a Bible study. Um, and I think that students, and not just students alone, that it's a lot of people in our church congregations that they get, for the most part, they're deceived. Because mm-hmm. um, we hear a time and time, then I think it's true, like the hardest people to reach with the gospel are the people who think they already have it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think that the the reason why a lot, a large number of our um, students and church members, right, that they are, they're branching off and they're seeking these other things or they're just confused or they're, they're looking for truth is because there's a lack of um, discipleship 
and that goes into just a lack of genuine conversation. Yeah. Meaning that, like on Sunday mornings, like you talk to people and you get the "How you doing? Mm-hmm. Good." You're almost, you're required to say good. Yeah. If you say anything other than good, yeah. it throws me for that throws people for a loop. Yeah, they like yeah. don't know how to respond. Yeah, and it's like. Just um, like one day, just if somebody goes, how are you doing? You just go terrible. Yeah. Just see exactly. how they react. But like if you said that, I mean, people would literally flinch. Yeah. And I think that that's just a, that, that this genuine, careful, like I care about you enough. I genuinely want to know how you're doing mindset is gone. And so now people are searching for the truth. And, and like I said, like um, people especially our students, right? They are all tied up in this technology. Mm, if they mm-hmm. have a conversation with somebody, it's going to be over text. It's not going to be over uh, yeah. like wordage. And I think that that's a problem. And I think that as as leaders in our churches and our congregations, the best way to do this is not by, you're not, I mean, you're not going to, you're mm-hmm. just not going to solve anything by beating beating kids over the head of the Bible. Yeah. But, you, I mean, like you do, I think we can turn it, in the, long, in the grand scheme of things, turning this around, just by genuinely having conversations with these kids and starting yeah. this atmosphere of discipleship, meaning yeah. I'm gonna sit down with you and I want you, I want you to tell me what you think you believe, and let me tell you what I believe, and then let's walk through this stuff together. Yeah. And almost like just a genuine discipleship mindset of like I'm gonna tell you everything that I know, and we're gonna walk through this together. Yeah, and I think that that's missing in, in the grand scheme of things. That's really interesting you brought that up because another statistic that they talk about in this is it says two out of three Gen Zers in the U.S. would rather be considered real than unique, right? So like, I feel like when I was growing up, it was like be different and like you know like be unique and be yourself. You know what I'm saying? And like this this group though that we have currently. They want real, meaningful connections. Right. You know, and like, and I think that that, like, like, they crave it. They crave it, yeah. Yeah. They say on here that they said that a lot of Gen Zers say that their social media presence is very close to who they are in real life. So, like, a lot of times, like, we get, like, we claim that, like, people are fake on social media. According to some statistics, like, with Gen Zers, like this group, like this 25-year-old and under, like what you're seeing is who they are, you know? And like that's something that I think is is key and that is good for youth ministers because you can hone in on that. You know, that they are craving genuine connection. Give them genuine connection. But that requires sacrifice on our end. It does. Um, where you're going to, like, if we genuinely want it's easy to, it's easy to write on paper. It is. I'm, you know, what, I'm saying it, but, like, yeah, it's harder to actually right. do it. But, like, to to do that effectively is going to cost us. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost you. Uh, or just leaders in the church on board. Time. On, on board is going to cost us time. It's going to cost you money mm-hmm. and energy Yep. to to do this, right? Yeah. That's, that's what these kids want. They want to feel real. They yeah. want to that genuinely feel heard. And nobody yeah. genuinely listens to them. They don't. And so if I just like just and I've even done it just a little bit. I invited a couple of the college guys that mm-hmm. I just met at my new church over to my house. I cooked them dinner. Yeah. And we sat down and we talked. And that first little bit, you could almost tell like this was foreign to them. They, yeah. And it was almost like like why did you why did you call us to your house for yeah. dinner? this is but they were like they were 
uneasy, but they they can tell they were craving it. Like they sat down and they didn't yeah. leave, and it was like midnight. Yeah, and they were just like, the the more we opened the floor, and I just kept asking them questions and like, tell me about your story. Yeah, I want to know what you think, what you like. Tell me when you when you became a believer, um, the history in mm-hmm. your lifetime of this church that I'm new at. Um, what are some of your ideas? And yeah. then obviously, I mean, I'm gonna wish I. This is my philosophy, and I challenge everybody to the same: is to just test everything against the scripture. And so, like, mm-hmm. I'm asking them, I'm like, tell me whatever it is that you think you believe. And I always have scripture handy because I mean, like, you ask that question, you better, you know, that you could get some off the wall answers. And so, mm-hmm. um, but regardless, I'm, we're leading everything back to the, back to the scriptures. But that's what I saw through that is just, um, man, just genuinely sacrificing your time, and then they get to see that, you know, man, he genuinely cares yeah. about my well being, and so there's a reason. Like th- that looks different, and I think they can see and I, that. And I think that you know you're saying test of scripture, Ephesians five one through two says, therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Um, I think that is kind of, it kind of sounds like what we're saying to be, to, to like take up your cross and follow Jesus, that requires to give much of yourself. And like having these genuine, real discussions with students will make you take up your cross daily to do that you know oh yeah and and it's it to be and like we if we just look at how christ interacted with people like he met them where they're at yeah he met them where they're at and they had they had real discussion you know Mm -hmm. and 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 that's the thing if like we want to be imitators of god troy our pastor said something really good in his sermon um this last sunday he said that where he was talking about the narrow gate and the wide gate, you know, it says that the narrow gate few will find it, the wide gate many will find it. He was talking about how some people may see the narrow gate, but not want to be on that road because of the people that are walking it. Meaning that like people sometimes don't want anything to do with the church because of the people inside of it. And that, that's really difficult because, like, that, that's talking about me. You know, like, that I'm a person in the church. And so you have to ask yourself, if I'm not being an imitator of God, am I showing Christ's love towards people? Like, am, is that is that going to be something that people go, I'm not coming to church right. because of you? Granted, that's take, we can take that with a grain of salt as well. Sometimes people use that as an excuse because, like, I feel like for the most part I've had really good interactions with the church but i know that's not the case for everybody and so i just think that like that that applies to youth ministry as well you know like they're looking for something genuine they're looking for something real Uh and if as youth ministers we we don't live that out in front of them they're going to go find it somewhere else yeah and there's no telling where they, they will go to do it you know we see that like with the prodigal son like he left his father's house and went through a world of pain to come back to the original truth, you know? And so I think that, I think that's, I think it's difficult, especially difficult being bivocational, like, cause that requires 
time you don't have time that I don't have. Yeah. And, and it may, it, it requires me to give up some things that I want to do, you know, like if I, you, for instance, I love, I love like hanging out and like going to eat and stuff. Maybe like some days I need to sacrifice going out to eat to go like get dinner with somebody else who needs to have like a good discussion. You know what I mean? And like that, that requires a lot. And I can remember my parents when I was growing up, my dad was a youth minister and here's the thing once you're married you're like you're both in it like you're like you sign up like if if i'm a youth pastor you're basically one with me right yeah and so like i watched my mom help my dad in youth ministry a lot and i can't tell you how many times like i'd be getting ready for bed and my dad would say hey like me and mom got to go we have a youth kid who's having some problems and he needs us there or they need us there or she needs us there and so i um I think that 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 watching that growing up, like I watched my parents give up much of their time to like to reach students, and like and here's saying they never saw many seats from that blossom, you know, like they never they never saw the fruit of their labor. But I can remember growing up, and this was like when I was like out of high school. They had there was a season there where they had students who were in their youth group come back to them and say, when I was in your youth group. I wasn't listening or like really paying attention or like I really didn't care. But they said that later on in life, they started to reflect on the things that they had discussed in the youth group and that they said that they like the next day, like went to church and then that Sunday I like, came to know the Lord. And so you, when you give much of yourself, you may not see much fruit from your labor, but know that like planting a seed, like you never know when that seed's going to grow, mm. you know? So, I mean, do you have anything to tack on to that? Um, I mean, you're full-time, so you are you got a little bit a little bit different. But you have a lot more responsibilities at the church than, like, what I do. I'm strictly, like, just youth minister. I do some extra things just because I like to. Yeah. But for the most part, I could just literally, like, just teach. And, like, that, that would be enough because I am bivocational. Yeah. The, the responsibilities are... I mean, there. If you write, if you write them all down on a piece of paper, it looks like a lot, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are just implied. And with your heart for ministry, mm-hmm. those things are just going to be done anyway. Yeah, you know, it's not like I got to do seventeen things, but it's mm-hmm. just like I, I mean, I'll, I just focus on two main things, and then those will just they're implied. They'll, they'll just happen, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that was kind of funny too. Like when they handed me on paper my job requirements, it was like yeah. three pages long. You're like, Wait a and second. I was like, "There's like, I mean, there's things that I'd never even seen on paper, but once I actually read it, I was like, well, duh.' You know, like it was yeah. like, you know, and I was like, I mean, I was gonna do that anyway. Yeah. But then I, now I guess now it's a job requirement. It's, <laughs> I have so, to do it now. Yeah. And so I, that's the thing too. In I guess I'm I'm doing this in the in the realm of youth ministry, but I'm also doing the same thing large scale, mm-hmm. um, because there's the similar issues are for the adults, not just our kids. Yeah. Um, and I think the the biggest way to change the lives of our youth kids is to impact the parents. Um, if you don't preach, like, like I said, I you can you can. I mean, pour everything you have into these kids, but if they go home mm-hmm. to parents who are, who are, d- agree or disagree or don't believe what you're teaching them, then yeah. they're going back home to a lost home. And the once yeah. they leave you, the youth, that's their environment. 
And so if you want lasting effect and change, then yeah. change the families. And so that's kind of my, also my focus is like the family ministry yeah. to where, um, to go and to talk to the families, talk to the parents, get to know mm-hmm. them. Um, and it's harder for some of these kids who get picked up. Yeah. But to, to put it in that effort to find out where they live, mm-hmm. um, find out who their parents are uh, just yeah. so I can contact them and, and give them some pointless update as an excuse yeah. for me to just talk to them. Um, yeah. If like, uh, just find an excuse to, you know, to congratulate their kid on whatever. It doesn't really matter what he did. I'm not really trying to cut. I'm not trying to compliment mm-hmm. their kid. I'm just trying to get my foot in the door to talk yes. to them. You know, I'm like, man, your kid answered a question tonight. The question was, what is your name? But, <laughs> but you know, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't have to, I don't have to tell him that, but yeah. my, my, my goal was to find anything to just but, call so, you. Yeah. And so, um, there's a, uh, a sermon by John Piper called don't waste your life. Have you heard that? There's a book. There's a book, but he has a sermon that oh. he did called don't waste your life where he's talking to college students. But he's talking about how, um, he's talking about like, essentially, because you're saying that like, if parents at home aren't following up with like what we're teaching, like it's very hard to solidify that into a student, Mm -hmm. um, which is why the Bible says train a child up in a way that they should go, like, and they won't depart from it, like. That verse is referring to, like, teaching them about God and the Bible. But, like, if you train a child up not to believe in those things, like, they won't depart from that, you know. And, like, so that's interesting. It's a two-edged sword there. But um, Piper, he says something in there that I, I always think about whenever I'm teaching. Is he's talking about how he doesn't want college students to buy into the American dream to, like, retire when you're 60 you know, and like goes to spend the rest of your life on a beach looking at boats passing by. And he talks about how like the world is spending billions to get you to buy into that dream. And he's like, I get 45 minutes to like convince you otherwise. And like, I always think about that with me teaching is I'm like, you have for eight hours a day, you spend your time at school with your friends who aren't believers. And you sometimes are at school with teachers who don't necessarily believe like what the bible's teaching and and some may even actively fight against that and then on top of that you spend 24 7 with parents who don't agree with it either and then me and you get 30 to 45 minutes on a wednesday night to tell them don't follow that you know like don't buy into this like do what we're telling you to do whenever like it's almost like the odds are stacked against you in a sense but that's the beauty of god is that it doesn't matter the odds. Like, yeah. And we see youth kids' lives change all the time, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's neat to see kids who are who get radically changed by the Lord. Yes. When the odds are stacked against them. Yeah. Um, that, you know, like they didn't come from a good home life. Mm-hmm. There was really no reason for them to be as committed and devout and just to grasp along to the word as they... They should have, and then you yeah. also see the flip side of that coin of kids who grew up in pastors' homes um, that just that push it away, that refuse to grab it. Mm-hmm. They have all the they've grown up with all the tools needed, but yeah. they just never take hold. So, um, for one, that boils down to it's 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 not anything that we bring to the table, and we can't save them, mm-hmm. um, but we can 
as long as we do everything in our power to present these truths and to show them yeah um and let them hear the gospel then yeah. at that point it's like the lord can handle that yeah. but i think that for for definitely for all you pastors and i've this is new for me that i've even made a sticky note on my computer that's always there and it's to like um preach the gospel to the students but then mm-hmm. also to reach the parents yeah um and then reach these um members of the church right yeah. like that the gospel is not something that you graduate from mm-hmm. but it is the foundation that holds up the entirety of the church yeah you know that is so like yeah. like they got and that's something that um that lawson hit on too like that and yeah so it was like the gospel is the foundation, the walls, the interior. It is the church. It is yeah. everything. That, like, without the gospel, we have no church. Exactly. And so um, just to re- reiterate that, because I think I, that was my first two weeks. Yeah. I basically preached the same sermon, but it was uh, two different passages. I was walking through Ephesians. Mm-hmm. And he the first two chapters. Ephesians. The first two, first two chapters, Paul's like reiterates himself a little bit. Yeah. And so like it sounds a little bit repetitive, but it should. Yeah. And so, it's just that important. Yeah. And so, um, but man, I hit on the fact that they grew up in church. They've heard the gospel since they could walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, they grow numb to the, the yeah. gospel. They, yeah. It doesn't mean anything to them anymore. Mm-hmm. They um, they hear it. They know yeah. that the Lord died for my sins. Um, you know, and if I, if I trust in him, then I, I, I'll have eternal life. Yeah. Like They've heard these things their whole life. And can and like they, quote it word for word. Yeah, they can quote John three sixteen like, like that. Yeah. And so, but it means nothing. It's all in their head. Exactly. And so, and that was my first week was like just to remember. That's like in Paul yeah. in Ephesians, like Paul's writing this letter to believers. Yeah. And he's telling them, he's like, you remember, and he's reminding yes. he's reminding them of these foundational truths. He spends three chapters reminding them of foundational basic truths, and and that's what I did. I was like. Like, just remember, like, this is real. Like, Jesus was really here. We have more historical documents outside Mm -hmm. of the Bible that support Jesus' existence here on earth than than a large percentage of historical figures in your history books today. Yeah, there's a uh, Jordan Peterson. mm -hmm. Um, He's not a a believer. He's a, um, a secular scholar is what I would call him. But um, he recently showed a graph, like they made a graph, and it was, the bottom line of the graph was like all the books of the Bible, and then on the graph, I don't even know how to describe it, but like it was basically like a bunch of lines, like I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines, and he was saying that these are all like historical references that's the that like validify the Bible, like that they, they make it points to the Bible being true. Yeah. It was an, it, it's an insane graphic. Right? Well, and I may not have done that justice, but like, look at that. Like the rivers that you read about in, in scripture, like in Genesis, the, they flow today. Yeah. They're still there, there. Yeah. And it's like these places that Jesus is at, like mm-hmm. the places, like the countries that are written to in scripture, you can go to, Yeah, you know, and like these tombs and all of this stuff, like, like it's real. And yeah. I spent two Wednesdays just talking about like this isn't just something we do to build good exactly. re- good regard in the community. This is not a routine. This is like a, there's purpose. Like this Bible, like this, this is life itself. I was like, this is real, and I think yeah. we forget. 
like the especially being in the Bible, but we get spoiled almost. Oh like, man, yeah. And so like, there's there's it's so comfortable. It's almost like the thing, like you know, like on Toy Story. This is a horrible example. <laughs> Just follow me along. <laughs> you know, on Toy Story, like Woody has a little thing you pull. Uh huh. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Every time you pull, he's gonna say like the same lines. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that with like people and like the Bible Belt. Like you go, you believe in Jesus. Yeah, I know who Jesus is. And, like, those almost word for word, each yeah. of them will say the same thing. And, like, it, there's no there's no connection or, like, roots yeah. to it. Like, if it was blown by wind, it would fall right over, you know? Yeah. And I started a thing. I wanted to paint this picture to them. So I asked the kids in the room. I was like, who has a verse memorized? A and verse. It was, I was like, any verse. Say it. You know? And then one of the girls was like, John 1-1. And then she brought it out quick. Nice. And then um, John three sixteen is always, you know, yes. like, and then I was like, okay, I took John 1, 1. I was like, can you tell me what John chapter 1 is talking about? Nothing. She's like, no. Silence. I was like, okay, can you rephrase, say 1 1 again. So she said it again. I was like, can you rephrase that verse? Okay. No. She memorized those individual words in uh-huh. that order. Yeah. She did not memorize like the verse in context. The context, yeah. She memorized the individual words and she knew how to say them in that order and that she yeah. committed that to memory. And I was like, so what is that talking about? Mm-hmm. They didn't know. But they had it they had that singular sentence memorized. And so yeah. I was like, see my and so then I started a thing and it's actually been super cool. It's called um it's called storytelling. Storytelling mm-hmm. the Bible. Yeah. Um, and, I did that when I was on a mission trip. Yeah. See, so like missionaries use it a lot because you really can't always have your Bible. And yeah. you're, there's no way you're going to memorize an entire book. You know? And so... Sorry. <laughs> that was my phone. <laughs> and you can't memorize an entire book of the Bible, like verse by verse. But what you can do is you can memorize the the story. You can memorize the context. And, and so at first they were like, no, they didn't believe me. And so we sat down and we started, this is what we're doing for Sunday school currently. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked two books. The Old Testament books that I picked were um, the book of Jonah and the book of Ruth. Mm-hmm. And so both of those books, I picked them because they have a pretty clear storyline. It's, yeah. it's easy to follow. You can see the Lord at work in both of them. Yeah. And, and sure. so what I, and so, and it's just a, what we did is I'll split them up uh, into four groups and two groups did Jonah and two groups did Ruth. Nice. And two different groups. And what they did is they went one that I told them one week, we just did one chapter and then you go and you read a verse and then you rephrase it mm-hmm. and then you read another verse and then you, you, you build the story together. And, yeah. and then at the end of it, and we spent 10 minutes doing that and in 10 minutes, they all closed their Bible. And I had middle schoolers that had, chapter one memorized they mm-hmm. looked me dead in the eye and told me an entire chapter wow and wow and so and i was like see and then the next week we did chapter two and yeah. then i was like okay can you pair chapter two to chapter one and then they closed yeah. it i was stood up and they still had they had chap- they had chapters one and they did it in that storytelling format yeah so yeah. they they sat there and looked me dead in the eye and they told me the the story of the book of jonah for yeah. chapter two, one and chapters one and two, wow! And they didn't hesitate, and they hit they hit the nail on the head. And I yeah. was like, "This is what we're talking about. You have the context, and you're not going to yeah. forget it because you remembered it for a week." Exactly. And so, yeah. and it was so cool just to like they're starting to, to see that. Yeah. And so it's been super neat. I um, my series I did I started back in January at the church I'm at now, and the first series I did with them was a series I created called Preeminence. Um, and it is, it's literally, we just hit, it's a good word title. 
is uh, is my favorite series I think I've done. That one, and then I did another one called Unity over Ephesians. Um, we went through the like verse by verse in Ephesians, but preeminence hit the life of Jesus, and like we talked about the historical aspects of Jesus because like I'm, since I was a history major in college, like I really hone in on that aspect of the Bible. So we discussed that. We discussed the the divine nature of Christ, and like why that is connected to like his the historical figure of Jesus, because like that's the thing. It's like historically Jesus was real, and truly, if you question that, then there's not really a conversation we can have here because like if you don't think that Jesus was a real person and like you disregard all the historical like facts that we have about Jesus, then I, you know, there's not a whole lot of a conversation you can have there with that. But, um, I was like, except just tell you to go, 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 go read the history book. I was like, just try, try to yeah. research that. It, it, yeah. Everybody agrees that historically Jesus was real. The, the argument is, was he divine? Right. Right. That's the, that's the issue. Like if you have an issue with Jesus being historical, we can't even get to the divine nature of Christ. And so like, that's what I hit first with my youth kids is I was like, y'all got to understand Jesus was a living, breathing person that walked the same earth that we walk today. Right. And so that's what I hit first. And then I went into why Jesus was divine and why his words that he says in the Bible are true and why ultimately leading us to that word preeminent, he's above all. And so, like, that was a big thing is I was just like, I've got, these kids got to first and foremost know who Jesus is and mm-hmm. what he did for them before I can get into any other aspect of theology and teaching, right? And so, I haven't determined, we're doing a new series over the summer called Pilgrims, um, and it essentially is going to be discussing how to be believers in a, in a world that is fading away, essentially, yeah. Right. Because like the Bible says that we have, I think it's, um, I'd have to go look at the poster. Um, but essentially it says we have no earthly home, but a heavenly city. Um, and so like it's talking about like as believers, like we're pilgrims here wandering on earth, you know. And so we're going to kind of, we're still kind of workshopping it. We still got some time to like figure things out for it. But I'm really excited about that. But I just think overall to kind of wrap up because we got to. We got our times running out. Um, I think overall, for starters, being anybody who's listening who's a bivocational youth minister, we feel for you. I'm a bivocational mm-hmm. minister now. Tanner's been a bivocational oh, minister. Yeah. He finally made. He's finally broke out of the bivo youth ministry like group. You know, he's like he, he's in the big leagues now. You know, like, yeah, we're in the. Like, I mean, like once a bivo, always a bivo. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, you know, like we still there's still things that you'll do as a full time that you were doing when you're bivocational. Oh yeah, it's like ingrained in my mindset. Like you told me that like you like had a panic attack on Tuesday night because you thought you hadn't prepared your lesson, and yeah. you're like, oh wait, I did it while I was at work, and I was like, that must be nice because when I'm at work, I'm dealing with like students in the education format. Yeah, I almost feel guilty when I get home in the evenings. I'm like. What do I do? You just said you need a hobby. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, I, my hobby was prepping for yeah. <laughs> for youth, and so now that's my job. So it's like, well, now what? And so, I want to do. Um, I guess to wrap up. Yeah. We're gonna do one last thing. That this is. I didn't even run this by Tanner, but 
I'm all for it. I think we should do something at the end of these episodes that we kind of go, hey, here's a book for you to read mm-hmm. um, that we that I have found. I don't know. Have you read this book? I've wanted to read it. I don't have it so, yet. So you can see where my little things are. I'm currently, it's going to be my summer read because I don't have class. I start my master's in the fall, and my goal is in the month of June to read one book, maybe two, and then July read some other ones. But this book is called Gentle and Lowly. Um, it's by Dan Ortland. Um, he wrote it, and it's over the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. Um, I'm going to just read real quick the the little like thing right yeah. here. Uh, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11:28. Christians know what Jesus Christ has done, but who is he? What is his deepest heart for his people, weary and faltering on their journey toward heaven? Jesus said it said he is gentle and lowly in heart. This book reflects on those on these words, opening up a neglected yet central truth about who he is for sinners and sufferers today. And so, you know, we were kind of talking about like that who is Jesus, like historically and like the divine nature of Christ. Like this is a really great book. Again, it is gentle and lowly. Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it my favorite store. I, we're not sponsored by any of these people, by the way. These are just things that we enjoy. Yeah. Um, I've read the first few chapters again. I'm still reading this book, but I 100% can recommend this is a great book to have. But you can get it on, I think, Amazon. You can get it on a place. I get all my stuff from Westminster Bookstore, usually because they have sales going on. But he has this book. He has another one. And so that is a great book to read. And we'll kind of like, I think at the end of these episodes, we'll kind of end with those things and stuff but um i like it yeah thank you guys for listening we will see you on the next episode you have anything else tanner i don't it's been fun it's been real all right see y'all later